Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Shalom, everyone. Be'ezat Hashem. Today, we are going to learn in Mesechet Sanhedrin, Yud Gimel Amud Bet, 13b, and it'll actually take us to Yudalad Amud Aleph as well, about a third of the way down the page. We're going to start at Smichat Zkenim, which is about a third of the way down Yud Gimel Amud Bet at the two dots. And we're going to have two sections in today's learning. The first section, we will discuss the idea of Smichat Zkenim, that the necessity of the number of judges to lean on the animal of the Parha Elem Davar Shaltzibor, which we'll explain. And in the second section, we'll discuss the idea of conferring smicha, which is the more classically used word, which is rabbinical ordination, but the real rabbinical ordination, not what we do today, actually. We'll discuss that also. We'll begin to discuss that, which will actually take us to tomorrow to discuss that more. As always, our learning should be as a zechut, as a merit for refuah shleima, a speedy, full recovery for Yaakov ben Dina. And we should only hear b'sarot tovot, good news. Okay, now, the Mishnah told us, we just finished up yesterday, regarding uh, the, the scenarios of the cases of uh, intercalating the year. So we're moving on to a new sugya, which is smichad kinim. The Mishnah had said that you need, it was a machloket actually, how many judges are required for smichat zkenim? So what is this talking about? There is a halacha in the Torah, which is in Parashat Vayikra, that's called Par Ha'elem Davar Shal Tzibur, which means that there are certain scenarios where the Sanhedrin, or the courts, paskin, that something is permitted, but it turns out that it was actually a sore, and the majority of the Jewish people engage in that behavior. And the halacha is the Sanhedrin needs to bring a korban as an atonement for their inappropriate psak, followed by the majority of the tzibur erring in that way. Now, as with other korbanot, in order to bring it properly, there's a smicha, which is leaning on the animal that's done before the animal is sacrificed. So we had a machloket in the Mishnah. How many members of the Sanhedrin need to lean on that animal before it's sacrificed? Rabbi Shimon said you need three of them to lean on the animal, and Rabbi Uda said five. So the Gemara here will deduce the sources for this debate. Bezat Hashem, let's get started again, about a third of the way down, you'd give them a bet. Smichatz Kenim. Mishnah said, the leaning of the elders. Tan Rabbanan says the Braita. The Pasuk tells us there in Vayikra, when it talks about this, this inyan of leaning on the animal, when the, again, when the Kenim, when the courts paskin, something is mutar, and the congregation, the people, engage, most of them, majority of them engage in its inappropriate conduct. So it says, "V'samchu ziknei." It says, "The elders shall lean on this animal." This is the par ha'elam davar shel tzibur. Yachol ziknei ashuk. Now you might think it just needs to be any general elders. You don't necessarily need this kenim who come from the Sanhedrin, from the courts. Talmud lomar eida. Therefore, it uses the word eida. Eida is a connotation of having specific elders who come from the court system. If it only said Eida in the Pasuk, Yechol So maybe it only has to be elders, Kenim, judges who come from the lower courts, which is even the 23 person courts. Talmud Lomar, Ha'eida. Therefore the Pasuk says, Zikne Ha'eida with a He. He implies 
the unique or specific judges, i.e. in the context here, you need some of these kenim who come from the Sanhedrin, the 71-person highest level of court, supreme court of the Jewish people, to lean on this animal, this par ha'elem davar shel tzibur. Miuchadim shebe'eda, the most unique, which is of the 71-person court. Vekamahen. So how many do you need? So this is a machloket, and we'll show it's based on drashot. Because one, it says, v'samchu is shnayim. V'samchu is a plurality. lean. So that teaches you you need two elders to lean. Ziknei, it also used the word ziknei, which is a plurality, which is shnayim, that's another two. Two plus two is four, vein beitin shakul, you can't have an even court. So therefore, mosifin aleim odechad, you have to add another one, which is a total of five. Harekan chamisha de Rabbiuda. So Rabbiuda says, based on Vesamchu being two, Zikne being two, and you have to add one more so it's not an even number. Therefore, you need a total of five judges of the of these Zikne Aida, meaning of the Sanhedrin, to lean on this animal before it's sacrificed. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon argues, and he says, Ziknei Ishnayim. Ziknei teaches us that you need two. Ve'ein beitin shakul. Now you can't have an even number court because two would not be sufficient. So mosifin alein orechad. You have to add on one more. Harekan shlosha. You have a total now of three. So ask the Gemara the obvious question. You showed me that you utilize ziknei in the drasha of the number. But what do you use the word v'samchu for? Why don't you use the word v'samchu to teach you another two, which would actually be a total of five? So the Gemara answers, No, that word v'samchu is necessary for the simple reading of the pasuk, meaning you can't use that for a drasha because you need it in the context of the simple reading of the verse. V'samchu, what are they doing in the pasuk, these elders? What they're doing is they're leaning on the animal before it's brought. So you can't use that word for an additional drashat to add numbers to the people leaning on it as it's necessary for the simple reading. So the Gemara turns back to Rabbi Yudah now and says, for Rabbi Yudah, what about him? How does he know to use the word v'samchu for the number if it's really necessary for the simple reading of the verse that those elders need to lean on the animal? So Rabbi Yudah says back, no, I don't need it for the simple reading of the pasuk. Why? imken because if for the simple reading of the verse, you wouldn't need to write them. Why? V'samchu. Delo ati v'samchu l'drasha. De'imken delo ati v'samchu l'drasha. If it was not used for the drasha of the number two, l'ichtov, it could have just said in the pasuk, ziknei, now this is a little bit of a difficult read, but we'll read it how Rabbi Huda would understand. Ziknei ha'ita, the elders of the congregation, yedehem, their hands should be al rosh hapar, on the head of the bull. So you wouldn't need to write v'samchu that they shall lean because that's understood, it's implicit in the verse. So it doesn't need to write v'samchu for the simple reading that they need to do smicha, they need to lean on the animal. The fact that it writes it is to teach us the number that you need two more, i.e. a total of five. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says back to that, iktiv hachi, if it would have only said it this way with leaving out the words v'samchu, I would have said, my al. What does it mean when it says on the head of the par, the head of the bull? I would have said, there are times in the psukim that we find the word al doesn't actually mean leaning on the animal, on the item that we're talking about itself, but al could also mean next to. So then I might have said, if it didn't say the samchu al, that you lean on the head of the animal, maybe it means that they lean near the animal or they stand near the animal. So you need to write this samchu to teach me that actually, says Rabbi Shimon, for the simple pshat, 
that they're leaning on the head of the animal, otherwise we wouldn't have known that. For Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yudah says back, Gamar Rosh Rosh Meola. Rabbi Yudah says, no, I still don't need the word Vesamchu, because we learn Gzera Shava. I have a tradition, says Rabbi Yudah. It says the word Rosh by this Par Ha'elem Davar Shal Tzibur, this unique Korban. And it also says the word Rosh by the Korban Ola, just as by the Korban Ola, they would lean on the animal's head itself. So to hear, we know that, and you don't need the word Vesamchu to imply that. Therefore, it must be its extra to teach us the number five. Rabbi Shimon, Logomar, Rosh, Rosh, Meola, and Rabbi Shimon did not have this tradition. And as Rashi says in many places, if you don't have a tradition of a Gzera Shava, you cannot make that Gzera Shava. You need tradition from your rabbis, otherwise you can't make it. So bottom line, what comes out is, they both hold that you need Ziknei Aida, you need members of the Sanhedrin of 71 in order to lean on the animal. The debate is, is Samchu included in the count for the numbers, like Rabbi Uda says, which is an additional to a total of five. And according to Rabbi Shimon, you can't use it for that because it's needed Lipshuto for the simple pshat that you lean on the animal's head, and therefore you only have a total of three from the word Ziknei. Let's move on now to the second section. Now the Gemara quotes a Braita that's a bit vague, and we'll have to explain this. Tana, the Braita tells us the following. Smicha, so now that means leaning on something, or leaning, literally. Vismichad's kenim, as well as the leaning of the elders, bishlosha, is done with three people. Now the Gemara understands vismichad's kenim refers to what we were just discussing, which is leaning on the head of the animal for this par ha'elem davar shel tzibur requires three judges, which is like the position of Rabbi Shimon. But my smicha u my smichatz kenim. But then what is the first thing, which is what is the smicha that we're referring to first that's different than this smichatz kenim? So now the Gemara introduces a new thing, a new process or procedure that requires three judges that this Braita is highlighting. So I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan explains like this. Mismach sabi. It means the authorization conveyed by the elders. Now, what does that mean? So Rashi explains what this means is in order for a person to become what's called a rabbi, as we'll see, there's certain ramifications of this, that he's part of the chain of authorization of smicha back to Moshe Rabbeinu, which we don't have today, by the way. The smicha that's given today means a person studied a certain area of law. And he's ordained that he could pass in questions. But this is something much more unique, which we discussed in the beginning of the Masechta, actually, which is he's part of the unbroken chain of rabbis back to Moshe Rabbeinu, which allows him, as we'll see momentarily, to even paskin she'elot, relating to knasot, penalties. In order to be part of that, he has to be ordained by three professional mumchim judges, and without those three, you wouldn't be able to confer this status of rabbi, this unique smicha, to be a mumche. That's what the Braita means. You need those three judges to convey. So Rabbi says to Rabbi Yosef, where do we find the source for this idea that you need three judges? We're going to learn the Gemara simply. Where do we find the source that you need three judges to convey this unique status that you're considered a rabbi that you can even paskin questions of, you're considered a mumchen, you can paskin and judge cases of 
knasot, of penalties. Maybe it's from the Pasuk that talks about how Moshe authorized Yoshua to be the next leader. And it says over there, Vayismoch et yadav alav. Moshe leaned his hands on Yoshua. So it uses this terminology, and it appears Moshe was authorizing Yoshua to take over eventually. Yachi, the problem with that source is, tiski bechad, so then you only need one person to give this type of rabbinical ordination, because Moshe is an individual. Maybe you'll say like this, Moshe was the head of the Sanhedrin, and therefore he actually takes on the status of the Sanhedrin. Problem is, if that's true, then what we should deduce is that you don't need three judges to convey. You need much more. You need 71. Vaharaya, Moshe, who was like 71, was necessary to confirm to confer this, this uh, ordination on Yoshua. And the Gemara says, Kashi, this is indeed difficult. Meaning, the Gemara leaves off unresolved. I mean, we don't know the source that three is necessary in order to confer rabbinic authority onto another judge. Because Moshe can't be a source. Either he's like one or he's like 71, but he's not going to be a source for three. Bottom line. Okay. Now, what the Gemara here is going to show us uh, sorry, before we get there. The Gemara here now moves on to discuss this idea <clears throat> of this micha, this, this uh, rabbinic ordination, or this uh, conferring authorization. The son of Rava said to Ravashi, this idea of authorization, mamish, is it actually done by leaning with the hand? Is it actually done by leaning with the hand? Or not necessarily? So Amar Leis Ravashi said back, Samchinan le bishma. So he says, no. You only need to give smicha with name. Now the way Rashi explains this over here is, Kari le Rebbe, sorry, let's finish off the statement. He call, they call him Rebbe. And they give him authority to adjudicate cases of penalty. So this is important Rashi over here explains what's going on. But what happens is like this. This is how the Ravashi is explaining. The three judges that are conferring rabbinical ordination doesn't seem like they need to physically lean on him. They just need to say, now you are a rabbi. And based on that, now you have the authority to adjudicate cases of penalty. Now, why is this unique? So it's like this. We know that the Torah, we spoke about this at the beginning of the Masechta. In regards to monetary laws, it uses the word Elohim. Elohim means that they have to be mumchim, proficient, and that they're part of that unbroken tradition back to Moshe Rabbeinu, authorized by people who were authorized all the way back to that. That's the only way they'd really be allowed to adjudicate monetary cases. Rashi explains here, and we learned earlier, regarding the judges in Bavel, the judges who are there, they're not necessarily part of that, but they are authorized by their brethren, the judges in Israel, to represent them in adjudicating certain cases, despite the fact that they're not necessarily mumchin. So Rashi explains, but what cases are they allowed to adjudicate? They're allowed to adjudicate cases of loans, because as we explained earlier in the Masechta, if they wouldn't, as ordinary people, then it would, would be noel delet bifnea lovin. It would lock the, the doors in front of borrowers. If people were nervous that I lend money and I need to find mumchin and I won't be able to get my money back otherwise, so what's going to end up happening is people will stop lending money. So it was necessary to say by rabbinical decree that you can even have these non-ordained uh, judges in adjudicating cases of loans. Similarly, Rashi explains, 
In other common cases of monetary law, like shomrim, watchmen, zelot, theft, those also would represent their brethren in Israel. Because, as they're common enough, the rabbis in Israel wanted their brethren in, the rabbis in Bavel, to be able to adjudicate these so you shouldn't have an issue in the common scenarios. However, in regards to knasot, scenarios of penalties, which are A, not common, and B, Rashi says, there's generally not a major loss caused if you don't adjudicate these types of cases. The rabbis in Bavel were not granted authority to adjudicate them. And therefore, in order to adjudicate cases of knasot, you actually have to be part of that unbroken tradition back to Moshe Rabbeinu of authorization, and otherwise you cannot, because the rabbis in Bavel, as we see, were not allowed to adjudicate those. So that's what the rabbis would give over in smicha, essentially the ability to adjudicate cases of knasot, of penalties, as we explained. Okay. Asks the Gemara, but I'll prove to you, you don't need three rabbis in order to confer smicha. Because I'll show you from a story that happened at Rav Yudah ben Baba, that they were even able to confer this authorization as an individual judge. V'chad lo samich, asks the Gemara, is one not able to confer this authority? V'ha'am Rav Yudah Rav said the following, Beram, in fact, that person, which we'll mention in a minute, is to be remembered for good. As we'll see, he did a tremendous misirut nefesh to keep alive this rabbinic authorization. Rav Yudah ben Baba Shmo. His name was Rav Yudah ben Baba. If not for this person, Rav Yudah ben Baba, nishtakhu dinei knasot mi Israel. There would have been forgotten the rules of uh, penalties of knasot from the Jewish people. So the Gemara inter- interjects says, what do you mean nishtachu? Nishtachu nigrosinu. If it was forgotten, we have it written in Sfarim, so we'll relearn it. What's the problem? Ella, so what is Rav Yudah Marav saying? Turning to Yedal and Aleph. Batlu dinei knasot mi Israel, as we'll illustrate, if not for the fact that he went against the government policy, and he would have stopped, and there would not have been any more the conveying of smicha, as we know it, so then you would have lost the ability to adjudicate cases of penalty because there wouldn't have been any more authorized rabbis. That's what this Rav Yudavan Baba did. And actually, we learned about this Rav Yudavan Baba on Yud Aleph and Yud Aleph before, that they wanted to give him a great eulogy when he died, but he was killed by the government, and you don't give eulogies to Harugei Malchut, which we spoke about there. What was the story? Because one time, the wicked government made decrees against the Jewish people. Usually when it uses this word, these words, it refers to the Romans. So the Romans who controlled the Jews at the time, um, they made decrees against the Jewish people. They said, firstly, anyone that gives another person Rabbinic authorization, the smicha, he will be killed. The call in smach, and the person who receives the smicha, yareik, he'll also be killed. The ir they took it so far to say the city that he received the smicha in, techarev, it will be destroyed. And the borders of that town that the smicha was given in will be uprooted. So there's debate in the Mepharshim what this means. Either it means the surrounding areas will be uprooted or the signs indicating the direction to that city will be destroyed. Either way, the Romans made a very harsh edict. They didn't want this smicha to continue. 
and there was going to be total destruction if people continued to give smicha. Now what did Rabbi Yudah ben Baba do? He wanted to maintain this uh, rabbinic smicha. So what did he do? Halach v'yashav. He wanted to go into a hidden place and continue this tradition of smicha. So he went v'yashav lo bein shnei harim gedolim. He went and sat out in the wilderness between two big mountains. Ubein shnei ayarot gedolot between two cities, but meaning not in the cities, but outside of these two big cities. Ubein shnei tchumei shabbat. Now between two tchumei shabbat, meaning two thousand amot from one city and two thousand amot from the other, he sat in between somewhere out in the wild. Between the cities of Usha and Shifra'am. And he provided smicha, means he gave smicha, rabbinic uh, conferment, upon five zkenim. And these were those five students Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yuda, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Lazar, Ben Shamua. So he gave smicha over to these five students so that the tradition of rabbinic conferment, of authorization, wouldn't die along with this wicked edict of the Romans. Rav Avya Mosef Af Rabbi Nechemia. Rav Avya added another student, which was Rabbi Nechemia. But what ended up happening over here? Kivan Kiru once the enemies, the Romans, realized that this rabbi, Rabbi Yudah ben Baba, was going against their decree, Amar lahen, so he knew they were approaching, and Rabbi Yudah ben Baba said to his students, Banai Rutsu, my children, run. So they said to him, Rebbe, Matei Alecha, what's going to be with you? So the Mephorshim speak out over here. Either he was too old to run, or he wanted to prevent the damage to his students by absorbing the blows of the Romans so that his students could escape. So Marlon, he said, I'll be placed in front of them. Like a stone that can't be overturned. Meaning he was saying is, I'm going to remain here, again, either because he was older, because he wanted to stay there so that they would be distracted by him allowing his students to escape. And that is what happened, actually. Amru, the people said, it was said over, that the they did not move from there, means the students escaped. Until Natsubo. They pierced him, means the Romans pierced him with 300 spears of iron. And they made him like a sieve, meaning that they killed this Rabbi Yudah ben Baba. His students escaped, and the tradition of Rabbinic Smicha was able to, the authorization was able to continue. Well, what's the point? The kasha, the Gemara is asked, by the way, just to point out, remember we said on Yudalaf and Muralaf, I mentioned this before, that there was this special eulogy, Hayanav, Hay Chasid, Shel. We said this great eulogy, what a humble person, what a Chasid. They said it about Hillel, they said it about Shmuelah Katan, and they wanted to say it about Rabbi Yudab and Baba. Now we could start to appreciate who this person was. It was Moser Nefesh, literally Moser Nefesh. He gave himself up just to continue on this Smicha. And they didn't eulogize him because, they don't give uh, eulogies based on those who are murdered by the government. For those people, because of the backlash they could face, etc. But now we understand a little bit of who this person was. But the point is, you see, it seems from this whole story we just quoted, that Rabbi Yudabam Baba was giving smicha as an individual. But we said you need to have three people in order to give over smicha. So Gemara answers, no, Rabbi Yudah ben Baba, really Rabbi Yudah ben Baba had two other people with him. So there were three people, but they weren't mentioned. Why are they not mentioned? 
They're not mentioned because of the honor of Yehuda ben Baba. Meaning to say is, is that he was so much greater and so much higher than the other two that it would have been disrespectful to mention them. Rabbi ben Baba and two others and say their names because it would almost create an equivalency that would be inappropriate. So in order to avoid that equivalency, which is disrespectful to his legacy, they didn't even mention them. But there were three people there because to confer smicha, you need three people. Asks the Gemara, in this story we said, Rabbi Yudah Baba gave smicha to Rabbi Meir. Is that true? Is he the one that was, gave smicha to Rabbi Meir? For Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yudah ben Baba, Samchei, is it true that Rabbi Meir received smicha from Rabbi Yudah ben Baba? V'ha'amar Rabbi Barachanam Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Barachanam Rabbi Yochanan, Kolomer Rabbi Meir, lo samcho Rabbi Akiva. Anyone that says Rabbi Meir did not receive smicha from Rabbi Akiva, eno toeh. He's mistaken. Meaning to say, Rabbi Yochanan seems to be teaching us, who gave Rabbi Meir smicha? Rabbi Akiva gave him smicha. So asks the Gemara, how can you tell me that Rabbi Yudah ben Baba gave him smicha if it implies clearly that Rabbi Akiva was the one who gave smicha to Rabbi Meir? Gemara answers, Samche Rabbi Akiva velo kiblo. What happened was, really first, Rabbi Akiva gave smicha to Rabbi Meir, but they did not accept him. As the Mepharshim speak out, at the time, Rabbi Meir was very young. So that ordination wasn't taken seriously by the people. They said, this person's too young to receive smicha. So therefore, they didn't take the smicha that Rabbi Akiva gave Rabbi Meir very seriously. Very interesting. We find in Masechet Brachot, actually, that when Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah was considering accepting the position of the Nasi, because Rabbi Gamliel had been deposed of his position, and Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah had all of the strengths to take over in the job, one of the issues his wife said to him was, because you're so young, people are not going to listen to your drashot and take you seriously. Youth is a reason for people to not take you seriously. So in the story over there, as we know, in the Haggadah, we say it every year, I'm like 70 years old, because the Gemara tells us, and it's brought down there in the Haggadah, that he prayed that uh, meaning he, he said he wants to accept the job, but he was concerned about this issue. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu made that his hair would turn white. Because once his hair turned white, he looked older, he looked more mature, and people would start to take him more seriously. So he'd be able to be successful in the job. So similarly over here, Rabbi Meir receives smicha from Rabbi Akiva. People didn't take him seriously because they said, look at this young whippersnapper, he's so young. But then, Samcher Rabbi Yudah ben Baba v'kiblo. And that's what happened here. Afterwards, Rabbi Yudah ben Baba gave Rabbi Meir smicha a second time. And then, as he was older seemingly, he was then accepted. The smicha was taken seriously because at that point he was already more advanced. And that smicha was therefore effective. Okay, we're going to stop here. Uh, at the, about almost halfway down the page in Yudalad Amud Aleph. And we'll pick up tomorrow with Yudalad Amud Aleph. We'll pick up with the same discussion, actually, talking about uh, certain halachot associated with providing and conferring smicha uh, to students in order to give them the rabbinical ordination. So that's Hashem, we're stopping here. We'll pick up with Yudal Amalaf tomorrow. Everyone have a wonderful day.